DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Did you know you were going to get uh, schooled in business by PK or P, uh, by Joe Ingles this morning, PK? I didn't, but it occurred to me because he has a ton of life experience. He has no formal college education because he decided to play professionally at 17. Obviously, he could have come over here and played and gone to whether, I don't know if St. Mary's had it going on with all the Australians then or what. But he said that going through where he grew up and they put you in the basketball stuff and some of his friends, like Mills is one of his better friends, came over here and did go to St. Mary's. And Joe decided that he wanted to play professionally. You know, it dawned on me that, well, he's basically is going to be potentially in the situation that some of these kids are going to be in receiving money. And we talked about this the other day, and you brought up the law of unintended consequences, I think is the phrase you used. You're, you're going to get, you give kids these mo- this money, and we see when they're 21 or so, 22 maybe, and even on beyond that, not only do they get the money, but they get all the traps that come with success. And we know what they are. We've seen that, you know, the Women are going to be flocking after you, and there's hanger-oners who are men, and all these things now. People are going to be reaching out to you more, and Joe must have gone through that to one degree or another at 17, receiving money to play a game. I don't know what he was receiving uh, financially in Australia, but as he said, it, it stood to reason that it was going to be more than his peer group were receiving at the time. That just makes sense, right? The rest of us were, were you know, we're working part-time jobs. I had a job uh, when I was going to Northern Arizona at Taco Bell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, Joe, he's receiving way more money than someone who's working at Taco Bell. Well, how do you handle that? Because we've heard the horror stories over and over and over again of these guys, these pro athletes, all of a sudden, particularly if they've come from really meager circumstances, and not all athletes do some do obviously and then they get this money and the traps that go with it and how did joe handle it because he obviously was experienced what these kids now we're going to make it younger for these kids to get money and i'm not naive enough to think that these kids aren't getting some money as it is now because i've said that all along well there's got to be some type of support system to set them up to give them training and and we've been playing here a, a clip from scotty and hands with uh, zach moss I think it might have just played here in this most recent break. I don't know. I went to the bathroom. But anyway, uh, I've heard it, and I heard the interview, and I think it was Hans asking him about how you uh, become a professional at the U of U, and he was talking about how they teach you to be men. So then when you're done, you can go out in the world. And Zach Moss is a man. Zach Moss is a – basically, he's a spitting image of uh, Kyle in terms of he's very serious – doesn't like attention drawn to him. He has a purpose. He gets up. The, he even refi- re- repeated the phrase, respect the process, which is one of Kyle's favorite phrases. Well, he was like a puppet. He was like little Kyle talking when you <laughs> listen to him in that interview, right? I mean, you can see it. You can see the direct influence that Kyle had on Zach Moss. Now, a lot of it, Zach Moss, whether it was upbringing or just what it was in his own DNA, he came out to Utah with specific goals in mind, and he met those goals. And he, it, the, the two of them remind me of each other, and Kyle doesn't really like a lot of tension heaped on him. He'll answer your questions. The same thing with Zach Moss. He's not flamboyant. He'll answer your questions, but he doesn't. He draws 
draws no attention to himself at any time. He's just very productive in what he does. Well, he had to have training to do that. And so we can't just heap this money on these kids and expect them, all right, now go succeed in the world. You've got to have training to understand that. And obviously, Joe has gone through that. And I didn't know about all the real estate. That was new news to me about how he's way into Australian real estate and how he bought his first properties when he was in his early 20s. And now he's sitting up. And and the thing that I liked it, DJ, is that he said he has friends. He knows of people. He said working those eight to five jobs, which, you know, basically making average salaries, but they've made investments in real estate and that has allowed them that financial freedom. That's just absolutely awesome. You know, I thought also that uh, one of the things about college athletes, and Joe wasn't in college, but he was the same age. He was talking about how, you know, he wanted to be that guy. That is such an easy temptation. And we have seen pro athletes, 25, 30, 35. Charles Barkley talks about this. What is Barkley in his 50s now? Yeah, Barkley's sure. not 60, I don't think. I think he's in no, his 50s. Not. You know, and he'll always talk about, hey, there's plenty of family and friends who will sponge off you. As long as you say yes, they'll keep asking. Oh, yeah. So what a lesson for Joe to learn early on. And you do want to be generous. You know, you do want to be a good tipper. And you do want to, um, you know, be the one who, you know, buys lunch when you're hanging out with your friends or buys dinner or buys drinks or whatever it is you're doing when you're hanging out. But there's got to be a line, you know. Yeah. I saw Deion Sanders say once, he said when – because extended family would come to him for money, obviously, right? He played Major League Baseball and in the NFL at the same time. And he said, okay, I'll do something for you, but what are you doing for you? You know, that was how he drew his line. I'm not going to do everything for you forever. Or what are you doing for you? So the answer might be yes. The answer doesn't have to be put up a wall and never do anything. But you got to pick your spots because even if you have a lot of money, you don't have an endless supply of it. But, you know, it's college, and kids are supposed to be learning stuff, so why not have them learn this at an early age? Apparently, Joe did. It sounds like he was, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22. He was was figuring all this out. And in a more structured environment, everybody's got some version now of the, uh, you know, Learn Life program, uh, School Forever. Everybody, everybody calls it some different term, but basically... They're, life Skills Program. Yeah, some Life Skills Program yeah, where yeah, they're yeah. teaching people how to handle money and how to invest. And it's now they're going to be able to say, hey guys, you know, at, at, some, at some of the bigger schools, I don't think this would happen at, uh, you know, Weber State, Northern Arizona, and UC Santa Barbara. Uh, but at some of the bigger schools, a lot of athletes now are going to have five or $10,000. Well... How do you, how you, you can blow through that or, Easily. or how do you, you know, how do you set aside a portion of it? How do you build something up? A guy like Zach Moss. And I mean, I think Zach Moss is just an old soul. You know, Zach Moss in a lot of ways was 20 going on 35. And we all know people who are 20 who are going on 13, you yeah. know? And so, but you know, it's Zach, I can totally see what Joe told us. And, and Zach, if Zach owns an, an apartment building, well, now he's going to be in the NFL. So, you know, fast forward through through the money, right? But if Zach didn't make it in the NFL, I can still see him owning an apartment building and apartment buildings before he's thirty. That that wouldn't shock me that he would try to figure that out and apply himself. Now, you know, he just went on the second day of the NFL draft, so it's like Joe says that just moves you into a different stratosphere. You know? Yeah, but. I had a discussion once with Matt Harpering about this, and he told me that he's in the NBA, right? He played all four years at Georgia Tech, and he's in the NBA, 
and there was a player on his team in college who was supposed to be all that. Well, Matt ended up being all that, right? He ends up being one of the top 50 players in the ACC, which I've long recognized as the overall top to bottom over the course of 30, 40 years is the best basketball conference out there, right? And he gets one of those, he gets a very prestigious honor there at Georgia Tech. So he was obviously an excellent player. And one of the other guys who was supposed to be that and was a decent player but got surpassed and didn't play professionally calls Matt up. And Matt's in the NBA. I forget Orlando or Cleveland where he was playing. It didn't matter. And he says the guy starts talking to him. And, of course, the conversation, the guy asked Matt to buy him a car. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There are people who will take your money if you give it to them. <laughs> Doesn't seem like off what you just told me that they'd have the kind of relationship where that should be happening. But I know. So he's telling me this story, and he obviously knows where the story's going. And I'm sitting there, and we're, we were eating lunch, I think, maybe dinner, I forget. And I'm sitting there listening to him tell this story. I don't know where it's going. Right, he knows where it's going because he's the one telling the story, and he gets to the punchline, and I look at him and said, "You're kidding me." I said, "No." no. He said, "No." He asked me to buy him a car, and you know I didn't mind helping people out, but I told him I said, "I'm not gonna buy a car." No, that's that's just too much. I'm not gonna do that. Uh, you know, if you got a, a situation, and so we were talking about. How you deal with that, because all of a sudden, you come in to a significant amount of money relative to what your peer group is making, right? right? So guys in their early 20s getting out of college, you know, I don't know about you, but I wasn't making any... Nope. (laughs) Nothing close to where... No, That's the great thing about being poor and coming from a, a, a house where my father was a custodian... This is nobody ever asked us for money. (laughs) (laughs) You had no training in that. (laughs) No, we never, we never had anything. I mean, my, my parents never so much when I was in high school, bought me a pair of shoes. You want shoes? Go get a job and uh, do it your own. Now I knew in my heart that if they had it, they would have bought me a shoe store. That wasn't it. That's what I always, I never held it against them or anything because I knew in their heart, in their heart, in my heart, if they had it, they clearly would have given it to me. They just didn't have it. But they helped me figure out, okay, we don't have it, and here's what you need to do to go get it. You know, whatever you want, it's going to be on your own. It's going to be up to you to do it. And I paid, and I've said this a million times, I paid for every penny, every penny of college. They literally did not give me a dime for college. They would have, but they couldn't. So I couldn't imagine being in that position. And then people can really turn on the charm and give you some sob stories. I mean, I'm sure our listeners have had stories of people asking them for money, right? What what do you want? You know, basically, and, I, and I've had a situation since then. I've been able to, I'm not rich by any stretch, but I'm okay. And I do very fine for myself. And, you know, I really have no complaints in that regard. But I've had, I don't want to get too much into detail, but I had somebody else see that and they constantly hit us for money. You know, and what do you do? How do you handle that? Because you can give them money, particularly if they're not willing to help themselves, then you're just, it's another, uh, it's an ending drain because then they expect it. Give me, you know, pay for my rent, pay for this, pay for that. 
and you know where do you draw the line? And for me, and and I've and I've had to have a little bit of. Uh, I've had to learn a lot of things as I've gotten older, for sure, that I had no idea that I'd be in the position of learning. And, you know, and I can be, let, let's face it here, I can be kind of a, what's the phrase? Are, are you laughing? <laughs> are we on the radio? Cantankerous? <laughs> can can you word. say hard ass on the radio? Yeah. Yes, you can. Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, okay. And it's because my upbringing was, well, literally, if I wanted a pair of cleats to play baseball my senior year, well, make sure the summer before, in the fall before, you're working to to buy the cleats so you can have them for your senior year because it wasn't coming from anybody else. And so that was my attitude. Hey, you want something, man? Go get it yourself. What are you asking me for? And, you know, I have need a little bit of coaching there by somebody who uh, I married. And, and say, you know, <laughs> Just say Jackie. <laughs> it's not... Just because that's Good the job, way Mrs. You, you were, and that's yeah. what you did, you know, doesn't mean that that applies to everybody. Just because yeah. your philosophy worked for you, and it did work for me, obviously, doesn't mean that that's the way it is for everybody else. So, in order for me to give somebody free money, that took a huge, huge adjustment <laughs> for you know, me in my yeah. mindset. It's interesting where uh, where everybody draws a line based on their experience. Because my dad, like you, could be cantankerous, hard ass. Um, but one area that he was awesome, and it hit me right out of the blue, and I did not see it coming. I didn't see it coming at all. But he grew up, um, he was born in 1938. So... His parents had the whole Depression era mentality, right? And his grandfather had died very suddenly and abruptly, heart attack in his sleep. And the his, the sons, my 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 grandfather, my dad's dad, had to step in and take over the business and support the family because his father had just died suddenly, and so did my great uncle. And so they really they could pinch pennies. And dad went to work in the family nursery. I mean, when he was eight years old and could stand you know, stand there and hold a hose and water plants. He stood there and held the hose and water plants so grandpa could go off and do whatever else and make more money. And and when it was our age, when you had to go out and buy your cleats, and I'm 16, and I wanted to get a job. I and mean, I did do some stuff like mow lawns and make money. But I wanted to get a job, and Dad was like, no, you are going to work your whole life. You're not going to work when you're a kid. And so I didn't get my first, you know, job apply for a job, get a paycheck, what, we need your social security number, all that, until I was 17 and I was at college. Now, at 17, I was still you know, you know, a teenager, and I was still, it was still fairly, but Dad was having none of it. You know, get a job and pay for the gas. Like, he put the gas in the car. And, I mean, he was, that was so not him that when he said that, I, I couldn't believe it. I felt like I'd gotten a, a free pass and a get-out-of-jail So car. you were at Santa Barbara when you had your first job? Well, if you don't count like the lawn mowing and the baby, no, 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 I understand stuff. where you did right. Social Security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I worked in the I, I worked in the dining commons first day of my freshman year. I had to have a job or I couldn't have afforded college. I did not know that they actually did have a Chippendales in Santa Barbara. <laughs> I was in the dining commons with a hairnet and a yellow shirt. So whatever you want to call it, I mean, you just <laughs> make no it up. Pants. Always, your, your secret is safe with me. You never have to worry about that. Actually, uh, I do. Your secrets secrets of you last about three seconds and you blurt him out on the air. Yak is already, but yep, that's how it happens. <laughs> so you, what What was the, was like the Friday night or the Saturday night shifts better at Chippendales? Uh, Saturday. Saturday? Yeah, Saturday. How come? Started earlier. 
started it. Did they Friday, Friday didn't really pick up until about 7 or 8 o'clock. Saturday, 3 o'clock is go time. Got all the little old ladies in Santa Barbara coming down. They, they tip pretty good, PK. <laughs> what are they? What but on are they Friday, doing? 7 o'clock is after their bedtime. They're going to come down at 3 before the early bird special at 4.30, and then they're home at 5.30, and they're asleep at 6.15. So that's a whole, that's a whole revenue stream you're just not getting on Fridays. Because you're seeing it now with your the reemergence of your longer hair, your, old, your earlier days. I'm getting so much feedback. Poll question: Should we put up the poll question? Should I get my hair cut and then run that for 24 hours and just see? Because absolutely. there are people who absolutely do not want me to get the haircut, and there are people flow. who are dying for me to get it. I mean, Tim Lacombe is tweeting or is texting me. When are you going to get your haircut? <laughs> it's like Tim. What do you care, man? Well, I did notice yesterday we were on a Zoom call, uh-huh. and and I did notice, man, it's getting it's it's now touching over the ears. I think oh, it's awesome. yeah, it's been over the ears for a while. I, well, I yeah. but for whatever reason, you didn't notice. I hadn't noticed it until yesterday. My daughter decided last Saturday that she was she didn't like the way my hair was styled. It's just flopping down there, and so she's got hair. So she's like, "I'm like, you got three minutes, and then I'm leaving. So do whatever you do." She's like, "There." She's like, "And it was, and you'll you'll love this, yacht because you watch The Office." She's like, "We're gonna make you look like Jim from The Office. That's what we're going for right here." And so she was sweeping the, the hair back, and it's got the curls, but kind of in back. Okay, whatever. I would say, up, you know, in, right. instead of best sportscaster, I think they should have a poll. The city, whatever it's called, should do a thing on sexiest sportscaster yeah. because I think you're run, you're high in the list now for to be in the running to be win ten, that thing. Be ten to twelve people voting in that category. <laughs> oh, I would vote ten to twelve times like, for you. Yeah, I'm skipping. I, that. In fact, I would put it out on Twitter and I would make an Instagram thing. Today's the last day to vote. Go vote for DJ as sexiest sportscaster. I would actually do that, and I would tweet it every day. You get my drift? Yeah, I see where you're going. All right. <laughs> DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Our spring football tour, college football, continues next. Stay with us. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, time now to talk with Jeff Ferrato. Covers the Cal Bears. Co-publisher of the Cal Sports Report. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Jeff, good morning. Hey, how you guys doing out there? Oh, we're we're doing well. We can't complain. How are you doing? Um, hanging in there. It's uh, strange times, that's for sure. Yeah. But uh, we're all good. So, Cal is coming off one of the most unusual seasons I think I've ever seen. Eight and five overall, four and five in conference play, and it really just came down to, do you have the starting quarterback or not? I mean, we can analyze everything else to death, but if Chase Garber started and played the game, Cal was great, and if he didn't, it was terrible. Well, and and you guys out there at Salt Lake saw the – the greatest example of that, uh, when Cal went out there to play Utah, 
and just got annihilated 35 to nothing. They didn't have Garbers for that game. Uh, he had a broken collarbone that missed some time with, and then he had a concussion. He missed a little bit more time. Um, when he plays more than half the game the last two years, they're 13-2. and two. Uh, They're pretty good when he's available um, and um, not so good at all when he's not. Um, they had some other injury problems, but he's really the key. You're right. So um, if they can keep him upright, keep him healthy, um, they feel like offensively they should be you know, quite a bit better than they've been. So then that leads us to the defense. Uh, all defensive linemen, I think uh, uh, three of them, the starters, and there was other guys who played, but uh, basically the starters were seniors. Uh, a couple guys in the defensive backfield. Cal has been great at putting defensive backs in the NFL. And then you got the guy who made like 500 tackles a year, uh, Mr. Evan Weaver at linebacker. And I think he went to the Cardinals maybe in the sixth round, was it? But uh, So they're losing a fair amount on defense. How's that going to be? Well, they're losing a little bit less than you think. Um, on the defensive line, uh, Luke Paquette, the end, and Zionde Johnson, um, defensive tackle. Both were seniors, but both were granted six years of eligibility because of past injuries. So their defensive line returns intact. The other one is Brett Johnson, the nose guard, who was forced to play a lot as a true freshman last year, and they're pretty excited about him. He played fairly well. Um, You're right, they lose three high-profile guys. They lose two defensive backs, Ashton Davis, Jalen Hawkins, and they lose Weaver. All three were drafted. Um, Ashton Davis went in the third round. Um, You know, you're not going to replace Weaver's production because he had 182 tackles last year and 150-something the year before. But that's all they've lost on defense. They've got, you know, seven or eight starters back, I think, there. Um, They feel like they've got some other guys to move around in the secondary. Uh, They're taking um, Elijah Hicks, one of their corners, and moving him to safety to give him some experience there. And then they've got Cam Bynum, um, who's a pretty good corner. He'll be back. Um, so defensively, you know, they're not bad. Uh, uh, Coin Ding, who was the other inside linebacker, had well over 100 tackles last year. He returns. And Cameron Good, an outside linebacker, who's is very fast. Um, had a couple, he's had pick sixes a couple of times in his career. Um, he stayed healthy all last year, and, and he is back. Um, I think defensively they're solid. They probably they lost the headliners, but but they're going to be pretty decent there. We're talking Cal football right now with uh, Jeff Ferrato, covers the uh, Cal Bears. You know, I think for keeping Garbers healthy, and I'm probably oversimplifying this, but watching the games, they got to run him less. It seems like he runs off tackle. He's got decent speed, not great, but decent. And he gets there, and the linebacker hits him, flops on him, and you're like, oh, here we go again. He's out again. Are they going to keep running him, or are we going to see a change in philosophy where they, they try to protect him a little bit and let the running backs do the running? Well, they've got a new offensive coordinator uh, this year, Bill Musgrave, who's got a NFL background. Um, I, I think that they will continue to run him because that's one of the things he provides them. He's a, he's a very good athlete. He's, he's pretty fast. Um, but I also think they've uh, stressed to him the importance of getting down when he's about to get hit. You know, slide. Don't take the hit. Don't try to get the extra two yards. Um and I think that has sunk in. I think he gets that. Um, I expect he would run a little less than he did, but they're not going to take that away from him, and they're not going to take that away from their offense. Um, but that's one of the reasons he's effective. In the last three games last year, he 
he threw the ball really well, but he also had a running touchdown in each game. In fact, uh, they beat Stanford the first time in 10 years, and they won the game on a 18- or 19-yard scramble for a touchdown that he ran. Um, so that's one of his weapons. It's an asset for them, and they're going to use that. Uh, they're just going to try to keep him upright in the pocket when when he's dropping back to pass, um, and they're going to encourage him to slide at all costs when he's uh, scrambling out and trying to run. So in addition to Musgrave as the offensive coordinator, the Bears have got a new offensive line coach. they got a new running back coach. Uh, Yates comes over from Arizona, defensive backs coach. So you got a total, I think it's a four new full-time assistants. And without spring ball, how much is that hurting them? Well, you know, it's interesting because we talked to uh, Garbers about, uh, you know, you, you think with a new offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach, um, you know, the language is different. Um, they're doing some different things. Um, but Garber said, you know, they had four practices, and he said that uh, he figured it out pretty quickly. He feels comfortable with it already. Um, but you're right. You know, every team, you know, missed some or all of their spring practice. And um, for teams that change coaches and they have four new ones, as you said, um, I think there's a, a period of, of transition. Uh, the biggest loss, uh, you know, in that group is probably Gerald Alexander, the defensive backs coach. We did a spectacular job for them, and he went to the NFL. Um, so they liked him, obviously. Um, you know, they did great with the offensive line coach. Uh, for the, you know, he's coached O line in college for thirty something years. He just retired. So, um, and then Bo Baldwin became the head coach at uh, Cal Poly and took the running backs coach with him as his offensive coordinator. And, the ball was under some pressure. Um, it, it, he was probably beating the, the posse out of town a little bit because uh, people were not happy with what their offense was doing. So that's probably going to be helpful to Cal. And, and I think that Garbers is embracing what, what they're going to get um, with uh, Musgrave in place. Um, and, you know, they're going to have however much time they're going to have to prepare whenever that starts. And um, we'll see. But he seemed comfortable and he seemed to be – um, getting a grasp on the offense, and now they just got to get on the practice field at some point and, and try to work on it. I was really stunned last year by how small the crowds were at UCLA and Stanford home games. I mean, there's 12,000 people in the stands. It was unbelievable. Cal doesn't have that issue, but I think there are definitely issues, and they're not drawing like they were five or ten years ago. And I think there's an argument to be made. It's a really academic campus. It's really hard to get there. Maybe there isn't that much interest in football there the way there is other places. But I think a lot of that's been true for 20, 30, 40 years, so that makes the last ten different. And this isn't a school that's had a lot of success. You can't say they're not winning the way they used to because they haven't been to the Rose Bowl since 59. So what is going on? the last, you know, 10 years or so as attendance there slumps, although not as badly as some other Pac-12 schools? Well, um, I'm not sure. You, you made reference to home game against Stanford. You're talking about Cal's home game against I'm talking Stanford? about Cal. And, and it's not, yeah, they're not okay. taking the hit Stanford. at Stanford last year, not at home No, I'm talking Stanford. just, ran, I'm talking the Cal oh, games over I the course gotcha. of six games. They're, yeah. they're taking a hit, not what Stanford's taking at their six home games. The Cal crowd looks better than that, but it still doesn't look yeah. like it looked to me in 2005. Well, I mean, when Tedford had a rolling and they went to bowl games seven years in a row and had Aaron Rodgers and Marshawn Lynch and Deshaun Jackson and you know, they were pretty good. Um, and, and there was a lot of interest at that point. Um, and then they got pretty bad. Um, and, 
you know, Sonny Dykes was there for four years and he had one good year and they couldn't stop anybody defensively at all. Um, and people were frustrated with that. But I think one of the other things that's happened is that, uh, is that during this last 10 years is when sort of the scheduling has changed and they play a lot more night games in the Pac-12 now. I don't think uh, all fans are enamored with that. They may love it in the Southeastern Conference, but I know Cal fans haven't embraced that. It's Like you said, it's not an easy place to get to because it's there's not a lot of parking there. So you've got to take public transportation. You can take BART, and then you've got to take a shuttle bus that takes you up to the stadium. And if you're you know, if you're an older fan and they got a lot of older older alums and fans and, and the game ends at eleven twenty or eleven forty and now you gotta go down there and wait for the shuttle bus to take you to BART or take you to your car, you're not getting home until one in the morning. And I think a lot of people, especially when the team was not very good, you know, said, Hey, they're they're scheduling these games at night, they're telling me to watch them on T V, so I'm gonna do that. And that's hurt them, I think. I also though think that if they get good, if they improve, I think people will come. Um, the Bay Area is a place where there's a lot to do, typically, not anything to do right now. But um, and you know, they, fans come out to events when there's when there's something to see, uh, because if there's not, there's something else to do. Um, if they get good and they stay good, I think they'll bring fans back. But it's not going to be a place where they ever get sixty thousand average, you know. But um, they need to do better, that's for sure. So reading up on what Musgrave is going to do, I understand that he's going to put in a fullback. Is that something that is part of a new offense that he's looking to incorporate? Well, they did They did introduce that in spring, but like we said, they only had four practices. Right. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to be an every down thing. I think they want to have that as part of their package. I think they want to have – they played a lot of double tight ends last year. I think they'll do that at times. Um, I think they're going to, trying to do a lot of different stuff to become real multiple. Um, uh, it's, it's going to be a little bit different offensively. Um, you know, Musgrave is kind of comes from more of a West Coast offense kind of background, and I, I think you'll see a lot more of that. I think you'll see a fullback at times, but I don't expect that to be more than six or eight or ten plays a game perhaps. Um, but we haven't seen enough even in practice to know really what they're doing. But it will be there will be a fullback at times. There's no question. So as we do the spring tour and we talk to people at different schools, we've talked to people, obviously, you know, Colorado and Washington have coaching changes. And especially at Colorado, uh, they're talking about, man, there's so much heavy lifting to be done there. And now you get a new coach and no spring ball. And that's really going to set this season back. With an offensive coaching staff that's new this way, do you think it's that big a hit or do you think it can be overcome and then capitalize on Garbers, his talent, his experience, and get the new system in in time to have a, a good year, assuming the season goes off on time? Yeah, well, of course, that's the big variable that no one can predict. But, no, I think offensively they, they're going to be better than they've been for sure. And I think even with the coaching changes, I think I think when they, they bring in Musgrave, I think that's an improvement. They've got every starter – who, who, every player who started in the Red Box Bowl of victory over Illinois is back. Um, that included one guy who didn't start all the time, but basically all 11 guys from that game are returning. Um, they averaged 27 points a game in the last five games of the year last year after averaging 17 points a game the first eight, including excuse me, including that shutout loss at, at Utah. So they, they gradually got healthy. They started to figure things out. Um, and, it, and it wasn't just 
um, Garbers Love got healthy. It was uh, the running back as well got healthy. You know, um, he was not um, Christopher Brown Jr. was banged up much of the season, and then the last part of the season he had a couple hundred yard games, so that gave him some some balance offensively that was important to them. I think you know you look at around the Pac-12 and almost everybody lost a quarterback. A lot of teams did. Um, Cal's got a quarterback returning who's been pretty effective when he's able to be on the field. So I think that gives them an edge. They've got a lot of experience. Their offensive line is back. It needs to be better. But they lost two two would-be starters in the first week of the season last year, two guys who would have started. They're both back as well. So basically they got seven guys back who either started or would have last year. Um, you know, they gave up way too many sacks last year. But if they can get that figured out, and, and be competent on the offensive line, I think offensively they can be pretty good. Not 40 points a game good, but maybe 30 points a game good. So I think they only lose 12 seniors or so. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I read that. That was the number, 12 seniors off of the 2019 roster. Wilcox has been there now for a few years, so can I argue that this is his best team that he's had since he's been there? Oh, I think it definitely has a chance to be. They, you know, they were eight and five last year, but they were four and five in the conference. They believe they can, you know, they can. I believe they can win eight or nine or ten games in the regular season. The schedule is pretty favorable. They got uh, the North rivals that they're going to have to compete with: Washington, Oregon, Stanford, all at home. Those are home games that will help them. Uh, I think you look at them and you go. That's between them and Washington for second place in the North. Um, Stanford's still got some issues. Um, I think they're going to be better than some people think, but they got a ways to go. Um, I think, you know, Cal could conceivably be the second best team behind Oregon in the North. Um, they've also got Utah at home, and Utah's got a lot to replace. Um, and, you know, the, the Cal-Utah game last year was hardly a, a fair match of Cal went in there with its third-string quarterback, a true freshman who'd never played. And he was, you know, he got knocked around pretty good. Um, and so, you know, they've, they've got an opportunity to, to win some games because their home schedule is going to help them. Jeff, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and, and talking Cal football. It could be a really exciting season or could be a massive disappointment. I think you can say that about a lot of teams, but it seems really true of Cal. They'll be a fun team to watch whenever we get to Yeah, well, let's hope football. we have a season. So right. uh, yeah. you guys stay safe out there. All right, you too, Jeff. Thank you. Jeff Ferrato joining us. Covers the Cal Bears. Uh, PK, we got to take a break, but when we come back, there's a report on the NBA. Uh, this goes a different direction than what we've he- been hearing, but it's not completely surprising either. We will get to that next. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, in Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. And a Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The newest member of the Buffalo Bills, Zach Moss. What is it that Utah does to get their players in the draft? They get guys ready for NFL. When you go to Utah, you respect the process and you get molded into a process that Coach Winham has been doing a really good job over the years. Getting guys in and out and you know making them ready for life. It's not even about you know just football. You know it's about seeing young adults doing the right thing on and off the field. And the building character, so when you get 
to this level when you have guys coming out and things like that. They know how to conduct themselves as men and not just, you know, football players. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, your feedback brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. PK, we got a story breaking just in the last hour here in the 9 o'clock hour, which is too bad since we hung up with Joe Ingles at 8.50. The thing got published 10 minutes later. Not good timing for us. But uh, CNBC has a story out. Headline, NBA team execs, agents are calling on the league to cancel the rest of the season. Uh, and it goes into um, a lot of stuff we already know. There are billions on the line if the NBA can't rescue its season. Uh, NBA teams splitting $2 billion per year in national TV money, so that's a big argument to go. But it also goes into... Uh, asking the players, you know, is it safe to do this and putting them at risk when the rest of society isn't moving at that speed. Uh, it also has a Memphis Grizzlies former president of business operations saying these owners aren't just sitting there with an ATM that's printing more than ever before. Some of them are looking at vast losses outside of just their basketball team. And it also has a thing here that team executives criticize the league office over a lack of information like the recent plan to allow players to return to practice sites. Uh, that was going to happen on May 1st, tomorrow, and then it got pushed back to May 8th. It broke on the weekend, and if you're someone who called an NBA team, then you were told, uh, we got no comment, and you're trying to sort this out. It's all happening right now. So seeing that somebody's upset about that isn't exactly shocking news. Um, so with so much uncertainty, it says here, with so much uncertainty still surrounding coronavirus, agents are privately calling on NBA Commissioner Adam Silver to cancel the remainder of the season. And uh, one unnamed agent says, I'm surprised Silver always errs on the side of caution and doing what's right. He's surprised that Silver hasn't already canceled the season. But I think there's a couple billion in TV money that make everybody be patient with that. Kick the can down the road a couple weeks and wait if you can. I'm patient. I'm not an agent, but I'm patient. All right, well, that story's up there at uh, CNBC, and I will uh, tweet that out if you're looking for a, a link to it. And uh, you can read that, and I'm sure Hans and Scotty will be uh, working on that during their show coming up. You got anything else before we hit the road here? We're about out of time. Cows just got to keep Chase Garbers healthy, right, Yock? Bingo. There it is. <laughs> we kind of had a side bet on how fast you would ask that question. Oh, it's the story. <laughs> I, mean, I know, but we had a side bet on it. DJ and PK, we're out of here. Hands and Scotty are up next.